Hey, NoosaCast listeners, you can find every episode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Please help us grow by subscribing or sharing the NoosaCast with friends or follow us on Facebook, X, TikTok, or Instagram. Now, let's get this show on the road. I could tell a third, fourth, fifth, sixth grader to, you know, to do something and they don't really care. But if Braden Heckle walks in the gym, they all they all start going nuts. Welcome to the NoosaCast. What is a NoosaCast? It's where we bring local folk stories to life through conversation. Welcome to another episode of your favorite podcast and ours. That is the NoosaCast. Yes. Uh, we're so happy that the you local continue podcast. to... The local podcast. We're so happy you continue to join us and uh, listen to the stories that we share. Um, you know, this week is is another uh, local look at s- local high school sports with um, basketball coach of Appleton North. Yeah, Chris Collette. It'd be good to catch up with him and, and, and learn about the Appleton North program. But, you know, Tashi, talk about local. And I do want to shout out just the lacrosse community. I mean, you guys, it, it, it's been amazing to, to watch as we kind of figure out this podcasting game but i'll tell you what when we drop a lacrosse episode when we did the chris green one when we had roger hornberger who we had on last week i mean the the lacrosse community listens they eat it up they respond to us um it's pretty cool to see so one just thank you um i get it i mean you and i tosh we we live or have lived in, in that community so Thank you guys. That was really cool to see a lot, a lot of great downloads last week. Tremendous interview with Roger. So that was really cool to see. So thank you. Yeah. And you know, we're working on, on bringing some more lacrosse. Uh, we hope to have uh, coach Mikey Zadraga back on and um, his co-founder of his summer uh, program called construct lacrosse, uh, Brendan Conley. Yeah. Uh, so um, we're working on that. And so we'll have some more lacrosse content for all of you uh, lacrosse heads out there that uh that like that but also just hearing some cool stuff and catching up and seeing where uh lawrence is as they start next year next yeah. season so um yeah it's good stuff absolutely basketball's heating up and tournament plays yep. right around the corner and right then and there lacrosse starts both at the college and the high school level so yeah springtime yeah. it's not it's not far away right every, every single day tash uh, we get a couple more minutes of sunlight yeah. so yeah, March 11th, official start of WIA lacrosse. Yeah, unbelievable. That'll be awesome. Good to hear. Good well, good to hear. We can talk lacrosse, but, I mean, we got to talk Green Bay Packers. That's yeah, still football season, Tash. Man. That is. I mean, you know, what what happened there? Holy crap. Let's <laughs> what t- a game by the Packers. I was texting some buddies. I think I can say it on a podcast. That was just a good old-fashioned ass kicking in every it sense was. of the word I, unbelievable i mean every once in a while you'll see a game like that but literally from from the from the coin toss when they said we want the ball and just drove yeah. it down their down their throats with a boy that was a good six seven eight minute drive to open up the game and they never looked back they just killed right. them and then to me equally is just stunning was in my opinion how bad was Dallas? I mean, Dak, dude, what they, the heck? Well, you know, that's three years in a row, isn't it? Yeah. 
Yeah. That they have not looked good. They've gone 12 and five and lost in the first round. So, you know, just, you, you hate to say it, but knowing Dallas, um, Jerry Jones is going to, his heads are going to roll. And, you know, there's, there's two heads right at the top of that whole yeah. pyramid. And that's McCarthy. And that's, uh, that's Dak. Yeah. You know, or, what are you going to do? So hopefully, you know, you, you don't want to see guys lose their jobs and things like that. But, um, I just knowing the, the record of Dallas and what they're, what they do, what Jerry does, Jerry wants a title. And this was yeah. probably many thought one of his best chances in the last, what, 28 years. Well, it's been a long time. I mean, you know, since, since he won, I mean, he hasn't won Jack squat, frankly, and no, you know, quarter of a century. So yeah, I mean, he, he, it's it's so hard because I mean McCarthy does win twelve regular season games pretty consistently yeah. every year. Yep. That that's you know most franchises would take that in a heartbeat. But Absolutely. boy, he has some epic failures, and and that's what rolled him out of Green Bay as well um, yep. in the playoffs. But yeah, I mean you you hate to see somebody lose their job, but I, I'll lose my job for multi millions of dollars if you know <laughs> don't feel too <laughs> yeah. bad for him on on, yeah. on that, and then. It's what I'm fascinated about in the NFL. It's amazing that the NFL can do this. The off season is almost exciting as the regular season. I mean, you've got, I mean, where's Bill Belichick going to go? Is he going to end? I mean, can you imagine Jerry Jones and Bill Belichick? I mean, get the popcorn ready. Let's go. Yeah. Well, you know what? We can talk about that, but you know, talk about the Packers too. How, I mean, I, I, it's a little too early. I think to say that they've struck, the lightning has struck three times in a row as far as Packer quarterbacks. Um, but it sure looks promising, doesn't it? You go from Favre, you go to Rodgers, and now Love is playing phenomenal. And uh, I, I'm sure the Chicago Bears in particular are like, what in the world? Are you serious? Not again. Well, one, I mean, you know I've professed my love of, of – uh of Barstool and, and, and Big Cat. And of course, he's a big Bears fan and, and – he had a funny tweet during the game, something to the effect of Jordan Love. This is just BS, you know, from from a Bears perspective. But if you look at it, it's, it's been super interesting. Now, yes, you're, you're absolutely right. It appears that Jordan Love is going to follow in the footsteps of Favre and Rodgers. What I find interesting is their their footwork. I mean, Favre threw the same way. Favre never threw with his feet planted. He always threw jumping. Rodgers threw the exact same way, and and, and Love. I mean, he could not have looked any more like Aaron Rodgers than he did, uh, you know, against um, against right. the Cowboys. So, I don't know. I I mean, all three guys didn't start in year one of their career. You know, they they started yep. in in year two or three or what wherever it was. So, I got to believe that helps. And if you can just you know, we harp at our youth kids, and with some of our interview people, we've even asked this question about footwork. But footwork is everything in in all of these sports, and maybe those extra couple of years of footwork really, really helps, and and just yeah, helps the helps the mind as well because he's really, really sharp. He's sharp, just right with his progressions, his reads, his decisions. Dude, the guy has the best poker face ever. Does he ever, <laughs> ever change the expression on his face? Good, bad, or no. indifferent. He looks exactly the same all the time. Right. And they, they have some young receivers. Some there, there's, there's some exciting exciting players to watch with the Green Bay Packers. And yeah. you know, whatever extra we get this season, um, it's it's been a it's been a fun run. Um, maybe not so much in the beginning of the year, 
you know, all of us uh, armchair armchair quarterbacks were out there saying, yeah, well, we're playing for a pick, but you know, it's a slap in the face to that organization that there are four teams without a pro bowl selection and yeah. three of them are picking one, two, and three. And then there's the Packers. Right. 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 Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. Pro sports, any sports. It, it's incredible. I mean, I, I said a few weeks ago, the Packers were out of it. I was, you know, dead wrong. And now, you know, I, they're going to, it's going to be a tough, it's going to be tough in yeah. San Francisco. You know, I, 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 Absolutely. I don't think they're going to win that game, but I, you know, who, who knows in 2010, man, it's setting up kind of similar, you know, the last wild card, last team in, and they just run the table. They were injured that year. So they had a lot of young guys playing during the Super Bowl run. And the same thing is happening here where they're not necessarily injured anymore, but they're, they're super young. Um, yeah. You know, what the heck? You never know any given Sunday. That's why they play the game. So. That is true. And Let's if you on. want to send that hate mail to Joe yeah. <laughs> for saying they're not going to win, that's at noosacast yes. at gmail.com. We'll take so. any mail, good, good, <laughs> bad, or whatever you want to send us. I just like the fact that we have something to be excited about for another week in the uh, cold weather here in Wisconsin. Yeah. And uh, that, that always makes things a little bit warmer. So It does. It makes the winter go by much quicker, and that's, that's what we're looking for up here. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, and then I – you know, we have lots, you know, like you said, we're halfway, we're over halfway through winter sports season for high school. Yeah. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk about basketball, um, in the interview later in the podcast, but yeah, hockey's winding down and you know, it, all, we're, we're getting set for winter for spring sports. And, uh, you know, I'm sure some of the coaches for spring teams are like, come on, seriously, we have no snow. And then all of a sudden right. we get it. Towards the beginning of our season, but it has a, it'll have a chance to melt. So yeah, and you know that is amazing in high school, especially. I I, I remember this just with football. The seasons go so so fast. You know, you you talk about it the lead up, and you get into it. Next thing you know, those nine, ten, twelve weeks, whatever they are, fifteen weeks pass by, and boom, you're out of it. And you're right, right. now. You use we get you know through January to February, these big time basketball games take place. Hockey, the same thing. All the tournaments are starting. Yep. You know, it's, it's, you know, going for the hardware now starts up. So absolutely giddy up. Yeah. It'll be a, it'll be a fun, fun run here and seeing how some local teams do, because we have some local teams that are that, you know, that will do well. Uh, we look at wrestling in Kakana. Yeah. Always a fantastic program. Um, you know, North Appleton, North basketball, boys basketball has been playing well. Um, and, uh, you know, we have, like teams like FVL and Xavier. Xavier's you know, we, a we great a of, team. Xavier can shoot yep. the heck out of the ball. They're they're a fun yeah. they're a fun team to go watch offensively. They they shoot lights out. Yeah, so there'll be some teams making some runs in the playoffs in a few weeks, and uh, we'll hope to keep you keep you informed about what's happening Absolutely. in the world of local sports. You got it, Tash. Well, what do you say we get on with the show? Let's get on with the show. All right, NoosaCast listeners, uh, it is time for that look at history, an old look at new. Taking a little look at the world around us, uh, whether it's here in Wisconsin, um, the nation, or the world. So, um, Joe, what do you have for an old look at new this week? Well, Tash, this, this, like we've said before, this has become one of my favorite segments, and it's for 
what my old look at new is it's for just moments like this where wasn't really looking for this but stumbled across this on a website or somewhere so the zilke building down downtown beautiful beautiful building we, we all it, it's in fact it's just been renovated or being renovated mm -hmm. right now it looks pretty cool well i stumbled across this that that was actually on that site was the first three-story office building in the, in the city of appleton um and that was it was the present site of the zilke building so in 1924 and let me get my reading glasses on here tash in 1924 that was replaced by the commercial national bank and office building and that building was then in 1924 was purchased by zilke he was a music store owner and then he that that building was destroyed in 1928 by fire and three years later what now became the zilke building began to be built i think it was built in two stages but uh okay. present day Zilke building was built in what 1931 after a 1928 fire destroyed the original and first three-story building in downtown Appleton. So that wow. is my old look at new Tash. You do a great job looking at the, at the city and these small things. I just, I go out, <laughs> I'm, I'm not looking at the city. I'm looking national and uh, I should probably look a little bit more at Wisconsin, but things pop up and catch my eye. Well, we, um, so I like the yeah. fact that we kind of cover them both. And, and I honestly, some of this stuff, I just happen to have the right Facebook page. It just just looks, <laughs> you know, like the Appleton Historical Society. I actually went yeah. there on a Sunday afternoon one time and had an absolute fabulous time for two hours just just looking at things. So I, I like it. It helps, obviously, being a letter carrier. I just walk by a lot of this stuff every single day. Yeah. And, trips the old trigger so they say but uh I, I like the perspective when, when when you get a little you get a little bit the the bigger view of, of everything and that that that's good as well so what are you looking at this week tash well you know right now we're in the land of massive contracts you look at baseball going crazy we have otani getting what 700 million dollars yeah. or something over the course of his his uh his contract well i'm gonna go all the way back to 1934 January 15th and um, a pretty, not, I wouldn't say big, but a big name signed his uh, one-year deal. And that big name was Babe Ruth. Yeah. He signed a one-year deal with the Yankees towards the end of his career. And his one-year deal was worth $35,000. And he took a pay cut. Uh, yeah. He took a pay cut of 17000 to stay with the Yankees and uh, just finish out his career. So $35,000 for one year. I think Otani makes that per second. Well, that's <laughs> just nuts. So if, if memory serves me correct on the, on the Babe Ruth contract, I don't know if it was this contract for sure, but I remember what I don't remember, but I remember reading um, a reporter saying that Babe to Babe Ruth, you get paid more than the president. And Babe's response was, I had a better year than the president. Yeah, that's, it could. It might not have been that one. It might have been a different one, but yeah, he. Yeah, I remember that comment as well. Yeah, he was. He was a character. That's for sure. Oh yeah, probably wouldn't have been too bad to be Babe Ruth, right? Babe Ruth, Derek Jeter, <laughs> no. being the star of New York City. Man, there's nothing better than that. I, I, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's for sure. So, well, that's our old look at new for the week. Remember, you can catch these segments in these episodes anywhere you get your podcasts and uh, also check out our social media presence as well on facebook and uh 
Twitter or X, I should say. Oh, Instagram, Instagram, Tosh, TikTok. Yeah. Tosh is right. You not only do you get the podcast every Thursday, you get the you, you get the um, the throwbacks come out Sunday on the YouTube page, and and you get the uh, the Newsom Minute. We're, we're playing around with that. You get that early every week. So, Tosh, we're just a content machine. We're trying. We're, we're trying. trying for sure. We are. <laughs> All right, NoosaCast listeners, um, today's interview, uh, we have the pleasure of interviewing Chris Collette, um, who is the head basketball coach at Appleton North. You know, Appleton North isn't just football. Um, they've had some great football teams, but they also have other sports going on. And uh, we're going to take a little look at Chris Collette at Appleton North basketball. I was always told, Tash, if I learn one thing every day that's new, life is going pretty well. So I just did learn that, that there is more at Appleton North than football. <laughs> so we're, we're, we're good. But yes, Chris Collette, man, great interview with him. The Appleton North basketball program. They're, they're a program that you should go take a look at. They they, they can they can shoot lights out. They're a young team and they're, they're an exciting ball club. That's for sure. Yeah. Having a fantastic season. Um, what? about three quarters of the way through the season right now. Yeah. Um, making some waves in the FBA. So you're going to enjoy it. And we'll learn a little bit more about Chris and um, a little bit more about the Appleton North basketball program. Appreciate you coming on. I mean, we're trying to kind of hit up the, the high schools. I mean, you guys are having a heck of a year. Um, I got to get to a game, but I mean, you guys are young and, and exciting to watch really, aren't you? I mean, the season's been a heck of a season. Yeah, we've come a long ways. You know, we had a really big run to end the year last year, made to sectionals, starting multiple freshmen. And, you know, that parlayed into a lot of hard work in the offseason. And we've come out, you know, hitting on all cylinders and struggling a little bit as of late, you know, with some health. And, you know, other teams are, are playing us pretty well now. And so we got to figure some things out and adjust. But other, the, um, the guys are playing hard. So I always like to go back and uh, talk a little bit about your background and what you did. So if you could tell us a little bit about high school, you know, what sports you played and, uh, you know, just a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I grew up um, in a little town called Reedfield. Uh, didn't play any sports essentially until I moved to Nina in uh, at the end of sixth grade, I want to say middle of May, actually. And I walked into my teacher's classroom. His name was Mr. Hoffensberger. And he was the Nina Varsity boys basketball coach. And I was six foot four in sixth grade. And I walked in, I'll never forget. I walked in, he said, do you play basketball? I said, no, I, I really like soccer. And he kind of <laughs> laughed and he goes, well, you will now. And so he brought me to the gym after the school day and I fell in love with the game. And that part laid into playing football. I, I played football and basketball in high school. I did track my, my first year, had a really successful track season. Um, and then with AAU basketball, kind of took that away a little bit. I was traveling the country with uh, called Fox Valley Skills at the time, which is now Playground Warriors. Um, played with Brian Butch and Steve Holzel and Tyrone Deacon from the Valley here and uh, got a chance to play some of the best players in the world. So it was a lot of fun. That was through your high school years. You're playing AAU. I mean, that we've talked to some other people that have gone kind of that path as well. I mean, that's an incredible experience, isn't it? The, the travel, the just your day-to-day -day life as a high schooler, I mean, you're almost running a professional schedule. It's it's pretty insane. Yeah, you know, the best part about that is just building those relationships with guys that you usually wouldn't have a chance to meet. You know, back then there was no social media. So playing with guys like Tyrone Deacon from Bayport, um, 
you know, he, he was probably one of my favorite teammates, um, you know, playing with guys like Butch, who's a McDonald's All-American. We had a lot of a lot of eyes on us. Um, can't imagine what the pressures would have been like with social media, you know, nowadays. But mm-hmm. traveled the country, got a chance to play against guys like Shannon Brown in the NBA, Chris Humphreys, LeBron James, um, <laughs> which is, you know, cool stories because my players look at me now and, you know, I've put on a little bit of weight since, I, you know, my playing days <laughs> and they don't really understand the – you know, what it was like back then because you know I used to be able to play a little bit um, but uh, you know basketball's changed as well since I've played it's more perimeter oriented so but uh, no I had a solid high school career had a pretty bad injury my senior year my goal is to be the first thousand point scorer at, in, in Nina high school history um, I was well on my way I missed about 13 or 14 games dislocated my ankle uh, and fractured my leg um, but came back in the playoffs a little bit to play. But uh, college career, played football and basketball in college as well. I signed with, with Winona State originally. Um, after my injury, I had a choice of both sports. I, I was supposed to do one year, and then I would choose which one I wanted after a year. After the injury, football told me to make a decision. So went to Concordia down in Mequon for a year. Um, had a nice year there. We won a conference championship. Uh, got rookie of the year in the league and then transferred over to Ripon College because I wanted to play football as well. So played football and basketball there and really had a blast and played for some Hall of Fame coaches and uh, Ron Ernst in the football field and then Bob Gillespie on the basketball court. So got a chance <laughs> to you know, you know, be coached by some of the best of the best with Sky Anderson then in, in high school as well who I had. Um, so been very There's blessed. A- well, there's a lot to dive into for sure. I mean, w- one thing I definitely got out of that, though, is, I mean, if there's no Chris Collette, there's no LeBron James, right? I mean, that, that that's pretty that simple, right? <laughs> no, you know, I always tell people, you know, the one time, because he actually got hurt um, against us where he got nicked up a little bit, and he didn't need to play against us the first time because he, we all knew who he was. And I was such a hard-nosed person. I was like, I'm not going to get his autograph. Like he had autograph lines, people asking for it during the game even. And I'm sitting here like, what is going on? Um, but no, there's there's some pretty awesome stories. I know John Wilkham, who played from – he's from Marshfield, played at Marquette, walked on, wrote a book. And uh, I told him I always, always appreciate it because in the book he wrote about throwing me an alley-oop where I dunked in front of Tom Izzo. Um, and Tom Izzo <laughs> came over after the game because he was at a, a lot of our practices, you know, just going after Brian Butch. And it's like, man, if you were about 6'8", six, 6'9", six, I'd, I'd sign you right now. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> only about five, six more inches. Thanks. You know, like how many <laughs> kids can you say that to, you know? Right. Um, but just good experiences for sure. What is that like as a kid playing in the gym? And, I mean, there's Tom Izzo and, and guys like that that are just there. I mean, that's got to be nuts. I think as a kid, you know, in my generation with no social media and not, you know, if I wanted to watch Michigan State, I'd have a hard time. Now, I'd, I followed it a little bit, but, you know, they came to our practices. And when Brian Butch blew up, it was our practices were competitive and everyone wanted to showcase themselves. And I was honest with myself. You know, I was a six six four, you know, stretch four type. That's not going to do you a whole lot of good at the D1 level. Um, but I had my heart in football too. So I was, you know, you know, just playing both fields. So it's, it's just such a fun experience. And I, I try to talk to the kids I've coached. I've got, I was lucky enough to coach, um, some pretty good players that are playing that played at the D one level since I've been out for a while, but like guys like Tyler hero, I coached in AAU for, for multiple years Mm -hmm. and 
Brevin Pritzel is is a good friend of mine. Um, really loved coaching him and you know Jordan McCabe, guys like that. So just the stories you have that you have for the rest of your life and and just those relationships are awesome. What what is McCabe up to now? I know he's at West Virginia. Is, is he back there as an assistant coach? Yeah, so he he was hired kind of right before all the Bob Huggins stuff went through. Okay, and you know the the interim guy that they hired, he 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 stuck around and he's he's really enjoying it. He loves West Virginia. Um, his uncle actually coaches on our staff, Tyler Jadwabney. Okay. Um, you know, so we actually, I still get a chance to talk to Jordan, you know, pretty frequently here and, and his dad, Matt as well. So he's out in West Virginia coach and doing what he loves. Yeah. Basketball junkie, man, right? It's in your blood. You get, you love it. For sure. For sure. So you're traveling around and, uh, you know, you, you, you have that injury, you make that decision. What drew you to Ripon? I mean, what was the, uh, the draw for Ripon college? You know, i got to be honest, I had a Rob Barnhill, who's a, a phenomenal coach at Concordia. He had me playing offense and, and football when I went there. And I, okay. I, I knew I was playing basketball, but I played football last second. And I, I'm a defensive guy, and I really didn't enjoy it. And he made a comment to me that I'll never be able to play somewhere else and do both sports. I'm just not a good enough athlete. And he didn't say it like in a derogatory way, but that's just kind of how I used it. And some of my really good friends went to Ripon. And so I went and, you know, it's about a 40 minute drive from my house and Nina and went and visited and just had a really good time. And I went, uh, I'd go to open gyms and stuff with the guys and just hoop. And I went to lunch with them one time and the football coach called me in and he's like, Hey, I I heard you played in the shrine bowl. I was like, yeah. And he's like, what position? I told him free safety. And, um, so he called me into his office and Rippon was coming off of a season where they, they were dead last in the country in third down percentage given up and, and passing yardage given up. And he pretty much said, if if you come here and, and cannot start, you won't start anywhere else. <laughs> and he wasn't promising me a starting spot, but it, that's how I took it. Um, and so that's that's pretty much how I ended up there. Well, you had a heck of a career at Ripon. I mean, you were a four-time conference player in both football and basketball, correct? Both sports? Uh, yeah, football. I was. It's funny because in high school I was probably a basketball player playing football. I wasn't the most physical. Um, Coach Mens would tell you that I never lifted weights in high school. I was too, you know, too cool for it. It's probably one of my biggest regrets. Um, but then in, in college, I found the weight room, started putting on some weight, and uh, had some success. And it, it just kept me hungry. But you know, there's things I wish I could do differently. But I had a, I had a solid career. You know, we had. Um, our whole secondary came in together. So we pretty much had four years of Josh Kramer was an all American. Um, he was the other safety, our free safety, Vince Brady was an all conference guy. And then our opposite corner was an all conference corner. So all of us came in together and you know, we, we just kind of grew together. Now I know, you know, Ron Ernst is certainly a legend. I, I, my only interaction is, has been when I've had stripes on. So it's, it's uh, different than, than most people's, but I'm a well-respected and, and 30 plus years as a coach. I mean, he called you the smartest player he's ever coached. I mean, I got to believe that's one of the greatest compliments you, you could receive, but could you talk about Ron a little bit? I mean, he, he was just an, he is an incredible guy, an incredible coach. Well, honestly, I, I did not know he said that. Um, but I, I will say this, you know, the one time he absolutely chewed me, I watched so much film and I used to watch it just with him. And so there was one time I changed a, a coverage call and I had the free safety. We, we, we clouded it and I ended up 
undercutting it and intercepting it and it won us the game versus Norbert's and we watch film and I, I feel so bad, but yeah. coach Ernst was like, yeah, what a great play call. And Vince spread, he raises his hand and goes, I actually coach Kellett changed it. <laughs> and Oh my goodness. He would have killed me if he could. Yeah. Um, but no, I, Rob Ernst was, he's the reason I played. He, he pushed me and it's funny because you look at him, he's this big burly guy from Nebraska you know, and he was just such a player's coach for me. And I was an interesting cat. Um, I was I was pretty mouthy, but I competed. I always played hard, um, but I, I had some personality to me. Uh, anyone that played with me on the football field knows that. I, I definitely like to talk and fly around. And he allowed me to do those things and, you know, freelance a little bit. And, you know, I, I learned a lot from our, our film sessions together and, um, he was, he's the reason I, I stuck around cause I, I could have graduated, um, early and I actually came back to play my senior year and student taught at the same time, which is pretty unheard of, Right. you know, besides doing basketball and football. Um, but I student taught with his, with his wife as well over at, at Murray elementary in, in uh, Ripon too. So absolutely. Oh, everything I, that I know about football to him and the three, three, five defense was awesome. And. You know, that's probably one thing I miss right now is not coaching football, to be honest with you. Sure. Do you like football? Well, tough question to answer, like football more than basketball. But I mean, I know I know you're a basketball coach currently, but is is your true passion and love football kind of? Oh, that's not a tough question. Okay. That's an easy one to answer. Okay, it's 100% football. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, no, I've, <laughs> I've you know, when I coached in Shawano, um, I got a chance to, you know, kind of run the defense a little bit, and that was probably the most fun I've, I've ever had because we weren't the most talented at the time. Tamal's done a pretty good job with that program, making the playoffs, you know, the past few years. But uh, when he first started, it, w- it was tough. And just that, just the chess match of, you know, positioning and, you know, what to be in, um, it's, it's just, it's so much fun because every play is different. Yeah. Football is so unique, isn't it? Just the, the rules that, that chess match. I mean, every sport has that to a certain extent, but football really is, seems to be amplified. Yeah. And then, you know, Friday night lights, it's, it's always yeah. packed, you know, it's, you know, the FEA is just such a grind. So I, I did help out at Appleton North for a few years and did the freshman level. It's cause it's a lot being a varsity basketball head coach, but, uh, Friday night lights are, are awesome. State runs are awesome. Watching the community come together. And uh, I have a feeling I'll be back in football sooner or later. Sure. So Now, back at Ripon, you you were the defensive coordinator, right, for, for a stretch with, with Ron or helped yeah. with the defense at, at, at Ripon? No. So, nope. So, once I graduated, um, I graduated mid-year, went back to Nina, and I helped out coaching football back, you know, okay. over there for a couple of years before I went to Shawano and – I was actually going to coach at Lawrence University as well and do both basketball and football because um, my passion's recruiting. If I could have any job in the world, I'd be a, a Division One, Division Two recruiter. Yeah. Um, and that's when I took the Shawano job. So, I, you know, I kind of put an end to that. But I was I went through spring practice and stuff with the with the uh, college staff, which I think Bart Bart was an Appleton North guy himself. Okay, Coach Bart. Sure. Yeah. So got a chance to know him and his son played there, you know, was a really good athlete too. So how, how does one become a recruiter in, in division one? What's, what's the path to, to that job? Um, a lot of it's who, you know, okay. um, you know, a lot of people want to coach, you know, most coaches do it. You know, the one thing about Lawrence that I loved and which, which makes me unique is it's a really hard place to recruit for. 
you, you know, the GPA requirements are really high. You know, the price of admissions crazy high. And I spent a lot of time on different websites looking at, at guys. And my, my biggest going away gift was Brad Sendall. I recruited him for two years and he ended up being an all-conference player all, all three years he played and, and player of the year type caliber kid. And he came to visit on my technically my last day when I was the interim head coach and sat down with him and his dad um, had a conversation and they were like, do you think we should come You know, to Lawrence? And I, I love Lawrence. It's, you know, the only frustration is just, you know, having a player say, well, you know, Lawrence is this amount. UW Oshkosh or Stevens Point is this, like, how do you justify it? Um, but Lawrence was awesome people and, you know, Coach Tapaksha was was fun to work with and, and giant, you know, some of these people that I've always respected get a chance um, to learn from them too. So, yep, so been around, you, I've been when, around. When did you start at Lawrence? So I coached at Nina, so I graduated in 08. Okay. Um, I spent two years at Nina and then Joel DePoctor gave me a call. I always helped out with the the yearbook camps. They used to be held at Lawrence. Now they're held at Viterbo because it's illegal to do them at Lawrence. Um, so I got to know Joel there, and he was looking for an assistant and called me up. And I was heavily involved in AAU at the time, and so I, I had a lot of connections. And you know, we were able to get some kids that I knew through AAU um, just to kind of get us started. But that's that's how I got into it. You were there. You so you came. I coached baseball there with Corey Krieger from 2000 to 2009. So 2009 was my last year coaching at Lawrence. Okay, that, so I miss I miss you by you a year. Me. And you, when you said it's hard to recruit there, jeez, <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> it was absolutely terrible to recruit, especially baseball players because we're not that smart. So. <laughs> Well, the crazy tough. thing, you know, like from a football standpoint is they would recruit guys and they'd have some athletes and then the trimester yeah. hits and then all of a sudden <laughs> seven, eight of them would be gone. Absolutely. So yep. a little different dynamics with the trimesters too. How This isn't necessarily recruiting, but but kind of along those same lines. So, I, you know, the current head coach at Appleton North and, and for whatever reason it seems like Appleton North just has not had a very good basketball program for the 25 years or so that school has been around the, the girls program has, has been you know decent at years but you're finding real success and I guess what what is the recipe for that why why how are you able to to basically turn around Appleton North and get it pointed in the right direction and bring excitement to that program I think the first thing comes from from stability. Um, you know, they went through so many coaches there. You know, for a handful of years. Anytime you change coaches every other year, it's it's tough because the philosophies change. You know, we have set expectations. Um, I'm not a big guy that worries about wins and losses. I, I never have been. It sounds really cliche, but I'm a. I worry how hard we play and how how we play together essentially. And if you play as hard as you possibly can and you play together as a unit, I can live with whatever outcome we have. Um, I struggle with playing selfish and not playing the right way. And so, you know, some players understand that right away and they kind of overachieve and some players are talented and don't get it right away. Um, but when you have five guys that care about each other and, and that culture grows. Um, having success helps. You know, last year was huge, for, you know, for that run just to build confidence and and just the overall belief that we can do it. You know, and then this year we, we had a nice start. Um, our Hortonville game was a big one to start the year, to be honest. 
Hortonville is a really talented team and came down to the end. I know we ended up winning by, I think it was like 10 or 12, but there was some crazy things that happened with technicals kind of being thrown around a lot closer than the score indicated. And, you know, that, you know, that kind of set us up for, for the next, you know, three, four games. So right now we're kind of at a stalemate a little bit. We've, you know, Grant Hardy went down versus Kimberly. Um, he's, he's getting healthy again, but just, the, the added pressure of being ranked for guys that are, you know, 15, 16 years old is probably my biggest challenge right now, kind of reeling them in. Um, but it's <laughs> they're a really fun group of kids. So they focus on playing as, as hard as they can and, and, and playing with each other. And then we live with whatever um, whatever result we get. Yeah, I like that philosophy of, I mean, obviously every coach wants to win, but I like that philosophy where wins and losses aren't, aren't everything. Do you... Uh, is that a struggle sometimes with, with parents to buy into that uh, at, at the high school level? You know, honestly, in my time at Appleton North from a basketball standpoint, I, for whatever reason, parents have never talked to me much at, at Appleton North. Um, I, I've was told some horror stories from before, which I'm sure there's some truth on all sides there. Um, you know, but I think one thing about me is I'm extremely transparent if you ever have a question on why I did something, I, I can always give you an answer. You may not like my answer, but I'm extremely transparent with the kids. And, you know, 99% of the time, the kids have a good idea of what we're looking for, what we're thinking, because it, it might change game to game. Um, so, you know, from a parent standpoint, I haven't had too many interactions, you know, with them, good or bad. I try to stay away from parents as much as possible. Because the last thing I want is people thinking I favor someone here and there. Right. Um, so, and, you know, I, I live in Greenville with two of my assistants live like down the road. So we, we, you know, don't get a chance to see a lot, a, a, like, like a lot of the parents, um, but it's, it, it's, it's been good for us so far. So no, that, that that's Knock good to hear for, for sure. <laughs> We've, yeah, I mean, you can definitely hear, hear some horror stories from, from time to time. Um, the atmosphere in the, in the FDA, the gyms, I mean, it's, that's got to be exciting, right? I mean, there's there's no better conference in the FEA. Is there night in and night out? It's 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 a battle for for whoever you're playing. Yeah, it's a grind. I mean, even this year we've got, you know, nine teams that have college basketball players on them. You know, Oshkosh West and Appleton East are right now record wise eight and nine, and they both have guys that would start for us for sure. They have multiple guys. They're really talented, and you know we're we're fortunate that we're pretty skilled which, you know, we've got four guys that average nine to 12 shots, with, which kind of separates us from most teams. Um, but our, our league is, you know, Oshkosh West could have gotten us too. That was a close game to the end. Um, so it doesn't matter who we're playing, and it, it just makes every game fun. You know, tomorrow we got a huge one. Kakana is probably the most talented team in our league, and they're the opposite of us in the sense that they've got two Division One, six nine post players. And our, you know, sometimes our centers five ten and Luke Kreitzer, um, so it'll be an interesting <laughs> matchup. But uh, no, the FBA is extremely talented. A couple leagues down south are really good too, um, but from top to bottom, I would say we're, we're probably the most consistent year in and year out, and, and definitely one of the most physical leagues. Sure. Just getting back to when when you first came to North and you take a look at the program. It, it was one of the first areas kind of you attack is the youth program kind of getting that set, getting that foundation built. I mean, that's, it's gotta be an important part of, of your success. 
Yeah, you know, our overall goal is to just get some continuity there, um, you know, have them run some of the same stuff that we're running at the high school level. But I wanted to be seen by those kids. And, you know, more importantly, I wanted my high school kids to be around them too and just build, you know, some excitement, you know, for them because there wasn't any when I was hired. And, you know, that's not a knock on anyone before me. It's just everyone has a different philosophy. Um, but, you know, it's funny because even camps right now, you know, I could tell – a third, fourth, fifth, sixth grader to you know to do something and they don't really care. But if Braden Heckle walks in the gym, they all they all start going nuts. Right. And so, you know, I, I try to have my high school kids do a lot just because it means more to the you know to the that youth program. Um so you know just the continuity is is probably the biggest thing which everyone on the same page you know just running the same stuff and when they're in middle school we have a pretty good idea of kind of you know who the alpha dogs are. And just just trying to develop them as much as possible, and just keep them and in love with the game, and and keep as many kids involved in basketball as possible. Sure, your youth program. Uh, I, I I would assume that you know you, you talk about the the young kids getting a lot out of it with the high school kids, but it's also a great learning experience and leadership experience for those older kids to to show what they have to those younger kids and just feed from that. I would assume. Yeah, especially with us being so young, it, it's a great maturing tool. Um, you know, just seeing guys that are usually goofy kind of have to be serious and be playful. Um, and with me, I, I teach third grade, so I spend okay. my day with, you know, eight, nine-year-olds as it is. Um, but <laughs> it's it's awesome seeing the high school kids interact with them because, you know, they'll they'll glow, they'll be excited and, and just, you know, fall in love with the sport. And, you know, we've had a lot, a lot of – support from our youth kids this year um and and the numbers are outstanding so good are you still coaching aau no i made a deal with my wife once my son was born that i'd walk away um, <laughs> yeah. he's seven so the only problem with that was I've, i finally helped build that team to everything i've ever wanted um our starting five had jordan mccabe at the one tyler hero at the two Keyshawn Justice, who was a thousand point scorer at Santa Clara, played with the Jazz, the Summer League at the three. Um, Jack Plum, who went to Iowa for football at the four. And then we had a seven three center from Minnesota. Um, so we <laughs> were we were stacked. The only player that I did not get that I wanted, you probably have heard of him, um, Tyrese Halliburton. Sure, but sure. He would have fitted really well. <laughs> but not sure if there would have been enough ball to go around with all the guys we had already plus that. Because we still had John Diener off the bench and Drew Blair oh, and yeah. some of those players too. So Will McDonald for the Jets played with us as well. Wow. He was the first wow. round pick of the New York Jets. So there was a lot of talent in the gym because we always practiced with the great ahead of us, which was like Kobe King's group. So there was those practices were, were wars. It was fun. So what's the schedule like for a team like that? I mean, what? how many weekends are you playing? I mean, what? How often are you guys playing year-round with a team like that? It's essentially, you know, once you're done with your high school season, so depending on who you are, um, you start right away. And you'd practice. We always practice at Lawrence when I was there. And you play about eight tournaments or so. We were on the Adidas circuit at the time. Now Playground is on the Under Armour circuit. Um, but to give you an example, a couple of our sophomores right now in, in Ramis and in Hardy are on the Adidas circuit with the Davis Brothers Elite. Johnny Davis and Jordan Davis played with Playground as well. They started their own program this year. 
Um, Will Sweeney still with Under Armour, but you play about eight to ten tournaments on the summer. Usually the month of June is off, um, but other than that, you're going three times a month from April, May, and, and July, essentially. Well, the quality of basketball, it's it's incredible over the last 10 years, really in all sports, just, just the level of play that, that high school kids are, are competing at and obviously you know, the college and pros, but it's, it's gotta be all, all of the, the summer leagues, you know, quote travel teams that are just making these athletes just incredible. Yeah. The skill sets only getting better. Um, and the athletic ability, it's, it's funny. Cause I, I considered myself a pretty good athlete. I could jump and I watched some like Abraham Tamari for us. I watch him jump and I'm just like, man, <laughs> I was a good athlete, but I, I can't do anything that you're doing right now. Um, but you know, you know, with that, I do think we've kind of fallen away from the the physicality of basketball and just the defensive side. But uh, it's tough to argue when you watch the NBA and they're so skilled where the defense isn't terrible. It's just they're so skilled and so quick. Right, right. So, I guess my, my question for that is then how, how did you change as a coach from when you played and maybe your early career to where you are now? Uh, you know, probably the best thing that, that happened for me, I, I was a guy in high school who, uh, if, if I got a couple assists a year, it, it was, it was a good year for me. Um, <laughs> I, I love to shoot. There was not a shot that I didn't like, uh, you know, talking to Anderson and <laughs> coach Pronchinski and coach Bork that they still give me, you know, grief about it, um, to this day. And then when I went to Ripon, I had to fit in and especially with missing because of football, the first you know, two months, I would practice for football from four to six, go to basketball six to eight. And wow. I couldn't do any of the physical stuff, but I would do all the five on O's and shooting and stuff. I had a lot to make up. So the best way to do that is, is on the defensive side. So that's where I shifted. Um, but as a coach, I'm definitely more defensive minded. And okay. my players don't understand that when I was a player, I was the opposite of that. Um, but I do think if you're a player, like, you know, your, your deficiencies and you, you, you focus on that a lot. And, um, so as a coach, I kind of worry about the things that I didn't do a whole lot of in high school and, you know, but at the end of the day, as a coach, you know, to me, if, if you defend, you can compete with anybody, you know, on, on any given night. And, uh, so I've, I've changed a lot, so to speak. <laughs> the kids ever find old film of you, of, of your playing days and pull that out on you? Oh no! That like I said, there's. I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't mind showing them some film. There was. There's some some good moments in there, but it's pretty grainy. I can't imagine what they would say. You know, thankfully we have Coach Coonan, who's like 75 years old. Who knows how old he is? Um, the guys kind of rip on him every single day because no one knows. Um, so I'm I'm not the old guy on the staff, which I can appreciate. <laughs> no, I hear you there. So coming up here, let's talk to end of the season. I mean, we've kind of touched a little bit on the FBA. I mean, it's certainly a solid league, a lot of great teams in it. But, I mean, you, you got to like your chances here, right? You're starting to hit the home stretch here once we hit February conference championships. You get state conference or a state championship in March. I mean, it's it's coming. It's a couple of weeks away. I mean, you, you've got to be feeling good. I mean, all set for the run. Yeah, you know, we just got to keep working on ourselves and just playing the right way. You know, as we've struggled this year, we've just gotten a little selfish, which, you know, losing one of your best players and Grant Hardy kind of changes roles and shots get, you know, kind of divided up more. Um, and, you know, 
like I said, Bayport, you know, zoned us and we didn't attack that very well. I expect to see that coming up here, you know, probably starting tomorrow. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I don't worry about conference championships. I never have, you know, my biggest goal that I, even my first day at Appleton North, when I met the kids, I said, my only goal fellas is to play our best basketball at the end of the year, no matter what, because there's nothing beats a playoff run, whether it's one game, two games, three games, you know, mm-hmm. fortunately for us, we had the, you know, section run last year, but my first year, my favorite year at, at Appleton North, honestly, was my first year. They were winless the year before, and just the joy that we had when we beat Eau Claire in the first round of the playoffs at their place. Um, I actually work with Kyle Hammond's dad, kind of subs at my school a little bit as a substitute teacher, and he still talks to me about it. Um, so, you know, my, my overall goal is just the end of the year playing the best, and if that brings us a conference championship, great. If it doesn't, I, I'd much rather have a playoff run and, and just, you know, doing the right things at that moment. Sure. You know, we, we do – it's become kind of one of our favorite questions that we like to ask is, is, is dealing with, with defeat. I mean, obviously sports, you, you lose more than you win. I mean, how do you deal with it? I guess one personally, maybe as a player, how did, how did you deal with, with losses, with defeat, you know, poor play, whatever the case is? And then I guess you probably deal with it differently as a coach as well, those two situations. How, how do you deal with disappointment and defeat? I try to be different um, as a coach than I was as a player. But as a player, if I shot poorly, I would ask Coach Anderson to stay in the gym after. I was a gym rat. Um, I had an older brother who wasn't into sports. He's eight years older than me, so we didn't spend a lot of time together until we both got older. And my mom works in the factory, so I had a lot of time you know, to myself. So I, if I ever played poorly, I was at a park if it was you know cold or you know warm enough out to be there or I stayed in the gym. Um, and I wouldn't leave until whatever I did wrong, I, I felt confident with. Um, as a coach, you know, it, it's, it all depends how we do when we lose. If, if we play well and the other team just played great, you know, that's one thing that I, I can live with and, and, and sleep at night. But if we play poorly, I have a hard time sleeping at night. Can't lie. Uh, it's probably what brings, you know, the burnout feelings more than anything is just falling asleep after games. Even some games that we won, you know, we didn't play well. Um, it was, it was, it was hard to sleep at night and, and my players know this and they kind of, it's, you know, after games that we lose, it's, it's almost like a tradition it's turned into where the seniors stay like in the classroom with us. And, you know, I don't ask them to, they just sit and talk to me and just, you know, coach, when are you going to sleep tonight? Is it going to be 2am, 3am, 4am? What's going on? It's kind of been like a running joke, but every game that we, you know, end up struggling with or losing, you know, this past year we lost a Fondi and I think, Five guys stayed in there, you know, with me till like 1130 and our game was over at nine, just yeah. talking about the game and life. And, and at first I thought they were doing it because they were frustrated too. But I, I feel like half of it is they see that I, it just eats at me and right. they do that more to help me than anything, to be honest with you. So I like to say that I matured more where I can handle losing. Um, when I walk out of the locker room, I for sure try to leave it there and not bring it home with me especially because I got three kids at home, seven, five, and, and soon to be four. But, you know, I, I'm not a very gracious loser. Sure. Um, you know, so it's it's tough. But if we, if we play well, I can definitely live with it. If we do not play well, it's something eats at me, whether I could have done something differently or perhaps something, you know, better as well. So, you know, I got to believe those moments in the classroom, though, that, that those have got to almost be the best moments as a coach. Right. I and mean, that's when you really connect with the players. And that's 
I mean, to me, that's what one as a dad, that's what I want a coach to do. I mean, to me, I don't care about the wins and losses. You want the coach to teach these kids life lessons. I mean, I got to believe those kids are going to remember those moments the rest of their lives as well and take something from that that didn't even happen on the court. Yeah, what was neat is we played Bayport for our last game, which seems like three weeks ago because we haven't played in a while. Um, but some of our alumni were back in Trent Mullen, Ben Isom, and Garrett Stasek, and they came in the classroom 30 minutes after, and we didn't play well. Um, you know, we weren't too upset with the guys because we played hard. We just didn't shoot well. Didn't You know, the ball just got sticky, didn't move. And um, those three guys came in with our current seniors, and we sat in there for like an hour. Um, and it was, you know, that was probably, you know, my favorite moment of the season was having those guys back and talking about their first year in college, you know, Trent Mullen being a contributor at, at UW lacrosse and football as a freshman, which is amazing. Sure. Sazic, you know, having shoulder surgery out at Stevens point and then Ben Isom, you know, at, with Wisconsin, Owen Hager even came in who didn't play senior year. So he's, he stayed in there with us for a while. So it's, <laughs> those relationships are awesome. And I always tell the guys, you'll appreciate it more when you're gone. And it's nice when I hear, you know, back from the Max Nelsons of the world, Mitch Cambrays, Kyle Hammonds, then, you know, they're like, you always said that we didn't really believe you. Um, but it's definitely true. So it's, 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 it's great. Yeah. That's really cool. I mean, the older we get and, it's been kind of a nice byproduct of doing this podcast where we kind of get to reflect being a little bit older, thinking back. But but I think back to times in high school, those special, the mentors that, that you had. I mean, that's important stuff. That That's real life stuff that carries on 50 years down the road, you know, so that that's really cool. And it's it's kind of stuff we love, man. That, that's that's really cool to hear that that that's a special coach, special, special person that, that can have those kind of relationships and connections. I think that's huge. Yep, and that's a lot of stuff that I learned from Scott Anderson, to be honest with you. Scott Anderson Chance, and, and Chaz Pronchinski took me under their wing, and um, there was a lot of tough times because, like I said, I was not a, a gracious loser, especially as a player. Um, I'd, I'd get angry, not ever at anybody else. It was always something I did no matter what, and just having them walk me off a cliff every time. <laughs> you know. So when I see players get frustrated, it, it brings me back there all the time, and I have a little bit more patience with it than some. Um, but, uh, it's at the end of the day, it's about the kids growing and hopefully we're able to do that with them. No, absolutely. I don't know how to, how the phrase is. You, you talk about, you know, you would go out and you would sit and shoot and you would do things to get better after a loss. Um, do you see that same type of drive with your kids now than what you had, you know, back in the day when you played or back when you were coaching college and things like that? I think it's it's a little different in the sense that you can get more options. You know, you could mm-hmm. go to more gyms than I could back then. Back then it was yeah. the Y or get keys from Coach Anderson. And now you've got trainers here, trainers there, the Y. There's more than one Y. Um, a lot of the, our players have parents that are in the district so they can go in there. Um, but, you know, when we lost or we beat somebody earlier in the year and Grant Hardy stayed in the gym for about 40 minutes after shooting. And I sat there and, you know, some, you know, one of his teammates was like, well, why is he doing that? And I said, well, cause he shot, you know, three of 10. I get it. I, yeah. I was the exact same way. And, and some players don't, don't understand it cause their drive is different, but that's also okay too. Cause basketball is not their number one priority. You know, yeah. I was one where in high school basketball was, and then in college it was flipped. Then it was football. 
So Grant Hardy is a basketball first kid right now. And so he puts a lot of time into it and it's awesome to see. And guys like Will Sweeney, Abraham Tamari as well, you know, Nathan Ramos. And we've got a good mix of guys like Luke Kreitzer, who's a football first kid who has an extremely yeah. high IQ. He's one of our best defenders and he helps us in a lot of different ways. And so I always want those mix of the multi-sport athletes. And, you know, fortunately for us, I, I think we have that. Um, but, uh, no, that drive is still there. It's just you just get it in different ways nowadays with these yeah. kids because they can go so many different places. So uh, I have a question for you. And you, I don't, I don't know how you're going to answer this. So coaching college, coaching high school, differences, pros and cons, what, what, what do you think? What, what was your, I don't know, your sweet spot? <laughs> I really enjoyed college just because those okay. are, you built that relationship before they came, right? So you, yeah. you recruited a skill set or something that you liked about that player. And, <clears throat> and and let's be honest, if they went to Lawrence, you know, they wanted to go there, right? You don't yeah. go to Lawrence if you don't want to go there because of how much it is <laughs> and all the requirements. Yep. So they all want to be there where at the high school level you'll have – you know, our team this year, we probably have five guys where basketball is their first sport. It's their passion. We've got four or five athletes that are really athletic. But, you know, it's if it's basketball season, they love basketball. If it's football, they love football. If it's baseball, they love baseball. And it rotates. And then you got a couple who play because their friends play and all that stuff is okay. Um, so we got all those different things kind of in a high school setting. But in college, everyone wants to be there. Now, the right. difference now, I think – especially at the higher level is just getting guys to stay, you know, at, at, at the college level and to an extent at, at the high school level too, because, because guys open their own transfer, but uh, no, there's pros and cons to both. Um, you know, I, I honestly thought I'd stay in Shawano for a long time, um, but living in Nina, driving to Shawano for two years was, was a lot. <laughs> and my yeah, wife kind of put the kibosh yeah. on that, but uh yeah, no, college was awesome. I really enjoyed my time at Lawrence, honestly. And it was – it's some of those times is what I'll cherish forever. And if an opportunity arose to go back to Lawrence at some point when my kids are over 18 and not playing themselves, I, I'd probably consider it. Get led by Joe Vandenacker. We had him on a couple of weeks ago. He, he's he's quite the guy. He's oh, he's, like, a, he's a statistician. He knows everything. Oh, my God. It's he unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievable. Just in, in your personal life, you said you're, you're a third grade teacher. Where, where do you teach at? So I, I, I live in Greenville. Um, so I, I wanted to teach in my kids' district just to make sure all the snow days and all the vacations sure. lined up. So I teach at Hortonville Elementary right across from Hortonville High School. Oh, okay. Growing school district, right? It's unbelievable out that way. Yep, it was it was interesting driving across the street for our game with them uh, a couple months ago. Oh, I never thought of that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yep. So the new Highway 15, right? Yep. Yep. No, and it's I really enjoy teaching there. It's the administration's awesome, and my team there is awesome as well. So I, I tell you, Hortonville High School sports that's been up and coming too over the years too. I mean, their baseball, football, basketball program they're all rising. It can be good any year, really. Yeah, their facilities are great too. Their yeah. gym is awesome, and I—I'll be honest, their crowd is by far the loudest in our league. Okay, um, I've been called some names that probably aren't appropriate <laughs> by people behind the scores table. Don't even know if they're parents or just you know fans or or, or whatnot. But uh, it's all you know fun, and uh, their student section is awesome too. So it's it's a loud place to play, and I you know my guys enjoy playing there. 
do the students still have some creative chance for uh, for the players and the coaches, or has that been kind of nixed? I think that's been pretty nixed, unfortunately. I mean, there was some stuff chanted at me back in the day that you probably can't repeat, but now oh. it's, I mean, even like <laughs> chanting airball, some schools don't let you do that. So it's kind of sad that way. And I think that's part of the reason why not as many fans go to basketball yeah. too, you know, to mm-hmm. a point, but uh, so fun. I would assume that your day after you beat Hortonville in the classroom was probably not one of the better days of teaching for you. <laughs> uh, my class got an extra recess that day. Um, but uh, no, so it's it's fun because um, obviously you've probably heard of the Peplers. Yep. All the girls that have come through, their mom is a, is a teacher at my school. So I had some good <laughs> basketball conversations with her and it was a double header. So she got a chance, you know, she watched us play as well. They played before us. So just good basketball talk. Um, the principal is a basketball fan as well. So um, yeah, I, I was walking with my head up high the next day. <laughs> All right. I got to ask, how's the officiating? You know, honestly, there's only been one game where I was really disappointed. Our And we ended up winning the game. Our Kimberly game, there was one official that just made two calls that I, I'm all for, you know, if you can explain something. But when your best player gets two fouls in a row and he's not involved in the play, um, there was one where Nathan Ramos was just crossing half court and the play was at the rim. But Nathan ran over to help our player up after the, the whistle was blown and everything. Um, a couple of those things I I can't stand. And there was some comments made that aren't appropriate by an official. But other than that, it, it's honestly from 10 out of the 11 games have been great. Um, you know, and we've – a lot of it is, you know, depending on if we're shooting well. Because if we shoot well, we don't worry about the officials. Right. Um, and, you know, some of that's on me to get that, you know, better. But, uh, no, you know, honestly, the officials have been okay. Um, I used to scream a lot more. I feel like I've calmed down. But what <laughs> the only thing that really will set me off is if an official just won't communicate with you. Sure. Um, but for the most part, I've I've been able to communicate with all the guys this year. So. Oh, that, that's good to hear. Communication's tough as an official. I, I I don't have experience doing basketball. Sometimes it's just flat out hard to communicate and officiate at the same time. But uh, no, I I get it. It's communication's a key to life and everything, not just not just officiating. Well, yeah, and I mean, if anything, because I I've officiated quite a bit, like in the summers growing up, and you know AAU tournaments and here and there. And if I ever had an a coach kind of, you know, get on me or ask me about something, I would say, well, from my angle, this is kind of what I saw. Right. And if you say that to me, I'm just like, oh, well, I guess my angle's different, you know, whatever. That's right. You know, but the ones that will be like, nope, I, I, I'm right, you're wrong, and verbally say that to you, I'm like, yeah, the eye in the sky won't lie. So sometimes I'll ask them if they watch film on it. And I was like, why don't you shoot me a message, you know, just to let me know if I was right. Um, yeah. And, you know, some have, you know, we had a, an official Joe Elby do our Bayport game. And there was, there was some kind of weird dynamics of that game where, <laughs> you know, it seemed like neither team wanted to win and just some weird calls <laughs> happened. And he shot me an email after and just a kind of about two of the things. And, you know, he was like, ah, I probably missed that when you were right. And stuff like that as a coach, if a guy does that, I'll respect him forever. And I probably will not yell or complain nearly as much. 
It's interesting you say that. We, we've had, especially in football, I've certainly done it in lacrosse as well, but football we've had, our crew has had some interaction with, with coaches that way. You, you typically, as an official, don't really want to interact that way, but I think just as, as guys just communicating, I think it's it's okay. The officials miss calls. There's no question about it. And being an official, I, I don't want to miss that call again. So if, if the coach is open to having a conversation, I think the good officials are all for it. it you know, it makes us both better. You, you both understand each other's job a little bit better. Yep. And I think us having our, our summer league at Appleton North has helped because I've gotten a chance to know the officials a lot better. Um, and, you know, it's last year specifically was always funny because if I was ever really upset with an official and one of my players did something that they shouldn't have done or shot a ball they shouldn't have shot, I'll yell like, hey, get over, sir, can I talk to you? Come here right now. And they'll come over and you could just tell they're waiting for me to just yell. And I'm like, can you tell my player to pass the ball next time he gets the ball? I don't want to <laughs> see that shot again. And then they'll kind of look at me. So I, I try to bring humor as much as Heck possible yeah. too. Um, but uh, no, my assistants get a, get a good laugh out of me usually. So whether it's how I wear my pants or whatever I'm doing. Um, so I tend to roll my pants up quite a bit. Just I've done that my whole life or how just how I talk to officials. So my players and my coaches, you know, really enjoy it. But I knock on wood, I haven't gotten a T in multiple years. Um, my assistant, Eric Miller, got a T last year at UWGB, and it was his first one in his life. Yeah. And, you know, he's he's got me by a decade. So, um <laughs> I like poking him with that as well. We talked about it yesterday, actually, too. So we got to get you some blazers like a Sundance up there in Green Bay. Get get some of his outfits on you. Oh gosh, I can't pull that off. I'm uh, <laughs> give me a flannel. I don't like to be seen. I just, you know, the pant thing is funny because I've done that my entire life. Even when I teach, I'll sit at my table and pull my khakis up to my knees, and it's just comfortable for me. And no one noticed it until this year for the first time. Um, girl from the unintentional podcast posted about it, and then my wife hates it. She mess. She'll take pictures <laughs> of me on on YouTube as I'm doing it, but I've done it forever. So I don't know. That's Mike a- McDaniel does it now too, though. So that's cool. That's right. Yeah. Hey, yeah. you're cool now. You may have answered this earlier, and I think you have, but I always like to ask um, mentors or people you look up to, somebody you that helped you get on your way. You know, it could be all the way when you were a little kid or all the way through college. Who are some people that stand out in your life? Um, you know, I always think of three. Uh, the first one being Tim Hoppensberger, um, who got me into basketball. He was my sixth grade teacher, and he was the varsity coach at the time. I believe he was, my eighth grade year was his last year. Um, so I was with him for about a year and a half. And then Scott Anderson put up with a lot with me. Um, <laughs> spent a lot of time with me because emotionally I was all over the place. He, he's probably the biggest reason that I matured. Um, coach Pronchinski, you know, was with him. So that coaching staff of Coach Scott Bork, Chaz Pronchinski and Scott Anderson were probably the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, yeah. Bork. Bork always says he was hired just to keep an eye on me, um, and he swears <laughs> by it. Um, but uh, 
And then other than that, you know, Richie Davis provided a lot of opportunities for me. You know, he passed away a few years ago, but um, he brought me on with Playground, opened up a lot of doors, coaching AAU, just the best players in the state, little in the country. And, um, you know, those... And Richie was also a Nina guy as well. He was my hoops club coach from seventh through eighth grade too. Yeah. So all kind of the Nina connection. And then once I got to college, I've, I've had amazing coaches and just kind of picked, picked things from everybody. So awesome. This has been fantastic. I mean, it's, well, it's great to catch up with you again. Congratulations on a great season so far at North and just getting that program really pointed in the right direction as a North guy. It's, it's cool to see. I, I love that. That's it's it's fun to see the basketball program be successful. Yeah, thank you. Hopefully, we can keep it up. I know we got a big one tomorrow, and every game's tough. So, just gotta keep playing hard and playing the right way, and good things will happen. All right. Thanks a lot. <laughs> yep. Thank you, guys. Tosh, it's that time again, once again, for the Red Smith Banquet Throwback. We got a good one this year, Tosh, or this week, I should say. I remember this well. 2010, the Duke grad, Jay Billis. Yeah, he was fantastic. He's also huge. What is he, 6'8"? Hey, yeah. So that was like, like holy crap. But um, fantastic. Yeah, he was a great player for Duke. Um, also a really great coach. He coached there for three three years while he was attending law school at Duke. Um, but yeah, he, you know, man, you know, top 50 recruit out of high school. Um, yeah. When you obviously, th- when you think yeah. of the typical Duke player, I mean, Jay Billis is, is, is that guy. I mean, he was a tremendous basketball player, but super, super smart. Like you mentioned, I, I had forgotten until you brought that up. He, he coached and played at the same time and then, then yeah. played right, you know, then continued coaching while he got his law degree uh, at, at Duke. So super smart guy. And we, we see him in, on ESPN as well. I mean, you, you can tell he's well-spoken and, um, Honestly, one of the all-time great tweeters as well. I don't know if that's a term anymore, but uh, yeah, he he always has his daily little rap that that he puts out, and uh, that's not easy to do when you're putting out daily content to keep coming up with that daily content. It kind of takes exactly. a smart person to do that. So he's really and, good at that, and it's amazing. He has been on. My dogs are going crazy. <laughs> They're part of the show. He has literally been on ESPN since 1995. Yeah, which I, yeah, unbelievable. Well, it speaks to one how smart he is, how good he is. But uh, yeah, that's a long time because he he that was basically right after his playing career, just just a few years removed from his playing career. So yeah, he and was I, entertaining, definitely. He is was, entertaining. and I I do love his uh his his segments leading into March Madness. I mean, he does all the picking. Yeah, um, he owns up when he's totally wrong. You know, just he's he. He showed us at the banquet, just a down-to-earth guy. Yeah, 100%. 100%. He was just really fantastic to be able to sit and talk to and listen to, for sure. Absolutely. You guys are going to enjoy this one. This was 2010. Jay Billis, um, when we had uh, 
Well, we had Whitey Herzog. I think we, we played him earlier for yep. you. So we had Whitey Herzog and Donald Driver was there that year. So 2010 from the Paper Valley Hotel in Appleton, Wisconsin. Enjoy Jay Billis. <laughs> Red Smith Sports Awards Banquet Throwback The Red Smith Award, of course, goes to someone who has made some unique contributions to sport in Wisconsin and also epitomizes the great values that Red Smith exhibited. Let's give a Red Smith welcome. Now, I'm very proud to introduce our guest speaker. He's a gentleman. His character is top-notch. He's got a good reputation, but his character is what makes his reputation. Let's give a Red Smith welcome to Jay Billis. When my father first saw me get a standing ovation, he told me not to get too cocky that people were just straightening their shorts. <laughs> and I tend to think that was at work there, uh, but thank you very much. I'd like to thank you all for having me here. I know that you had my, uh, my broadcast partners, Sean McDonough and Bill Raftery here in years past, so now you have completed the Three Stooges uh, by having me here. Uh, I know that also by having those two, the bar has been set awfully low. <laughs> I think I can. Uh, I think I can clear it. And I'd also like to thank, uh, like to thank Mike Reese for having me. This serves a dual purpose for me. It uh, it also fulfills the community service portion of my sentence. <laughs> I thought, you know, I'll call my wife and let her know that I got in okay and how excited I am to be here. And I, but I said to my wife, you know, honey, did you ever in your wildest dreams think that I would be speaking at the Red Smith Banquet in Appleton, Wisconsin? And she said, Jay, you're never in my wildest dreams. <laughs> one, of the, one of the great joys that I have in, in my job now, and it, it's amazing that they call it work because it's not any work at all, uh, is working with, uh, with your former speakers here, Sean McDonough and Bill Raftery. Uh, my first game working with them, they had been a team for a long time, and uh, our, my bosses at ESPN thought that putting me with them would, would work out. Uh, I wasn't so sure that I'd be accepted by them. Uh, and the first game we had, we did uh, UConn at Notre Dame. And you both were ranked in the top 15 in the country that year. And the, Notre Dame had a, a kid by the name of Danny Miller. And Danny Miller made a great play and goes in and completes the play. And there's a foul called. And Raftery says, uh, Raftery says in only, the way only he can, he says, it's Miller time, and you know how I love hearing that. <laughs> and, and without missing a beat, Sean McDonough says, except on Big Monday, brought to you by Bud Light. <laughs> and I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm home. I can, I can work with these guys. And we have had uh, a, a, an unbelievably good time together. I, uh, I'm here for one very important reason. Uh, when I was asked to do this, when, when Mike was kind enough to call, uh, Sean McDonough and Bill Raftery had told me about this event. 
And as Whitey had said, you, know, the, the, you should be extraordinarily proud of this, this Red Smith Banquet. It is known all over the country. The people who have been here have nothing but positive things to say about it. Uh, its reputation and character are unparalleled. Uh, I wanted to be a part of this. Uh, I'm a product of team sports, like so many of us here. Uh, for me, growing up, team sports was all I wanted, all I wanted to be a part of. I wanted to be a part of a team. And I once heard Larry Brown say, the former uh, North Carolina player who uh, uh, coached uh, at Kansas and UCLA, coached the Detroit Pistons to an NBA title. He's now the coach of the Charlotte Bobcats in the NBA, one of the great, great teachers and coaches in, in our game, said one time, uh, very few players have been a member of a team. They've been on a team, but they haven't been a member of a team. And that's really what you're doing here tonight, is you are raising money awareness and providing resources for young people to be members of a team and to benefit from that and to benefit in the pursuit of excellence that you can only get as a member of a team. You know, those who have played team sports understand that uh, you can accomplish so much more as a group than you can as a team than you can as an individual. And it's so much more meaningful than it is in anything you can do as an individual. And the greatest compliment that I think any of us ever received as players was that we were great teammates. I would rather be known as a great teammate than as a great player. Lucky for me, because I wasn't a great player. <laughs> when I was drafted by the Dallas Mavericks, I went to camp, uh, went to uh, training camp, and uh, Dick Mata was the head coach. And after seeing about uh, 20 minutes of the workout, we took, a, uh, we took a water break, and I was over getting some water. And he came over and said, Jay, how's everything going? And I said, it's going great. And he said, your trip in was good? And I said, yeah, it was great. He said, hotel fine, hotel okay? Yeah, it's great. Did you get a chance to unpack yet? I said, I said not yet. He goes, good. <laughs> But I, I had coaches growing up that believed in me. We all did. Coaches that, that saw beyond what you could do at that time and saw what you could be and encouraged us, held us accountable, and let us know what we could do for our team and what, our team, what we could do for our teammates around us. And I was really fortunate that I had that growing up and I also had it in college. And I had a college coach in Mike Krzyzewski that one of, the thing, one, of, one of the many things he told me and told all of us that was incredibly beneficial was he, he told us as a team, you're never going to be a great team until reflexively you can add the word together to anything you're talking about. You know, we're going to play hard together. We're going to win together. We're going to work together. Everything we do has to be together, but it can't just be something that I tell you to say or you, you've understood, you know, that's what I want. You're going to have, to, you're going to, have to, to buy into that and feel that, and you're going to have to work for the guy next to you. And we had, uh, uh, help. We had a, a great concept of help defense. And help defense wasn't about you. It was about him and him and him. You know, it was about helping your teammates play their position and be unafraid to go out and guard somebody that if they got beat, you were going to be there. And that's, I took a lot of pride in that after I learned how important it was. And what you're doing, the money you're raising, and the awareness and the resources that you're providing for the kids in this community, you couldn't be doing a better thing. And I just wanted to commend you for that. And I'm so glad I was, I was here to be a part of it. And I want to congratulate every scholarship recipient, all the award winners. 
uh, it was a, a privilege for me to be here and to, uh, to get to meet all of you. And I hope we'll be able to, to meet uh, uh, afterwards and have a drink. I know Raftery would be proud of me if I did that. Uh, <laughs> But I promise you that when I leave here, in addition to uh, my shameless stumping for the University of Virginia and Tony Bennett, uh, I, will I will also be telling everybody uh, about the Red Smith Banquet and the great people of Appleton, Wisconsin. Thank you so much for having me. All right, Newscast listeners, it's time for that segment of this episode, of all episodes that we always like to uh, mess around with, and that's the forget, forgotten and never forgotten. And uh, this is the one thing that we just totally want to forget, and then the things that we, we never want to, you know, those things that we want to keep lasting forever and forever. So, um, Joe, what do you want to forget? Well, <laughs> I should say, I guess mine's a bit, sad and i've been reminded of it here maybe in the last two weeks or so but it's it's having an, an elderly dog you, you know hazel my my basset hound is oh she's 12 ish or so and and just just recently she started to have some some issues can't get up the stairs and it's you know it's, I'm, it's like arthritis but it's just a reminder that that you know it's it's Dogs don't live forever. They're the greatest thing ever, aren't they? Touch next to kids. There's nothing better than a dog. You know, you and I have had right. many through through the years, and and and. But the hard part is 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 just it's towards the end when you feel bad. So I'm I'm, I'm entering that yeah. stage, and you know, you never really forget it. But I want to forget about it. So it's it's just it's just simply just the 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 end. You know, the elderly dog. Just that those final. Yeah. However long it you know it goes. Yeah, no, those are those are definitely tough times. I mean, you could do grow an attachment because uh, it's unconditional their love. So yeah, it's absolutely. it's amazing. It really, really is. Doesn't matter what's happening in the world. It's yeah, they're, they're they have your full attention. But yeah. absolutely, Tash. How about you? What's what's forgotten in your world? Well, I don't know if it's forgotten for me, but it seems to be forgotten for people in this area. It's how to drive in <laughs> snowy weather. What the hell? <laughs> I mean, seriously, slow down. Just understand that there's snow and ice. My gosh, all the accidents. It's it's just just slow down. I mean, we do live in Wisconsin. It's going to happen at some point. It's it's just mind boggling. What I mean, what I I, I really don't get it. I I don't. I mean, no. there's no way you can forget. How, how do you forget no. that? It's, no, it's funny. I, I think everybody, I was a big fan of Jim Rome, you know, for a lot of years. And he always complained. He said, the first time a raindrop hits the window in Southern California, you know, it's, <laughs> it's Armageddon. Everything is just goes to yeah. hell. And it's, it's kind of like that here with the first snowstorm as well. Absolutely. And it's not even I, the first it's, it takes, no, it's like every snowstorm. It's like every snowstorm. And I, I experienced that out in California. when I was coaching at Lawrence, we, it took like, I don't know what the time was. It took like, three hours, two hours, whatever it was to drive from Anaheim to San Diego for a game. And they kept talking about, you know, watch out on the roads. It's going to be raining. I'm like, what are they talking about? You know, we were driving our own vans and, um, it rained. We got rained out in San Diego, had to drive back. It took like six hours to drive back, which should have been like a two hour drive. Right. It was absolutely crazy. I'm like, are you kidding me? People don't know how to drive in the rain, but <laughs> Hey, 
it's something. But yeah, it, it was it was a little frustrating yesterday, and just uh, you know, you're you're always looking in your rearview mirror, waiting for the person to like slip on the ice and rear end you or stuff like that. So Tosh, um, just think yeah. in the United States, Tosh, just about anybody can get a license to drive a missile. Yeah, that's true. Absolutely. So yeah, that's what I, I, I don't know. I, maybe people are forgetting that they live in Wisconsin. So <laughs> evidently, well, good luck to you. I, uh, I broke out the fat tire and that, that was my mode of transportation through this lovely weather. So it's, it wasn't go. too bad for me. That's good. Yeah. Good to know. <laughs> A little cold, but not uh, too bad. All right. Well, we're forgetting. What What are you never forgetting? What do you want to keep remembering? <laughs> Probably shouldn't admit this one, Tash. I thought it was kind of funny, so that's why I'm including it. But uh, damn, Tash, I'm never forgetting the rush of gambling. <laughs> oh, jeez. show, right? <laughs> within reason, right? <laughs> within reason, within reason. But uh well, I shouldn't be proud of a father-son moment like this, but uh, my oldest, Cooper's in town, and uh, he goes to college, and we're, you know, I don't know how it even came up, but he's showing me this app where you can basically bet on fantasy sports and or, you know, yeah. bet on individual players. And, uh, you know, as any good father, I want to see what he's doing. I want to check it out. So I test ran one here this weekend, and whew, that's a lot of fun, Tash. <laughs> so I'm uh, going to be checking myself this week, but this weekend I'm never forgetting that feeling of the old gambling rush. Funny. <laughs> but nice. How about you, Tosh? Hopefully it's a little more, uh, well, a little more ethical, maybe, you know, being a teacher, um, I, I can never forget snow days <laughs> yeah. because, uh, it reminds you back in your day of, of being young again and waiting for the snow days, although it's a little bit, little bit different i mean i remember growing up and you had to sit in front of the tv sure and you'd wait for the wait for it to come across and then they went to a commercial and you'd miss your letter so you'd have to sit in front of the tv some more and then it was like always that you know do i take a shower and get ready for school or do i wait for the All next right. round key. and uh you never knew you know you always listen to the radio whby or whatever was on yeah and uh to get that snow information now I mean, they call your house, you get a text message, you get an email, you know, they cancel the night before. That never happened when we were young. No, but oh. um, <laughs> well, it's, it's so funny when you're in a room, a group of people, and all of a sudden everybody's phone goes off and you know it's the school district. Like like that happened yeah. the other day when, when school was canceled at four o'clock or whatever uh, in the afternoon. Yeah. I can't remember where I, I was in a spot where there were a lot of people and you know, it's like when the weather siren goes off or whatever, you can just hear dinging and, and yeah. And then it's weird, right? You get a text, you get an email, you get a phone right. call almost simultaneous. So, I mean, that, I guess yeah. that's kind of nice, but uh, yeah, two, uh, there's school calling now Two um, <laughs> two snow days this week. Look out. Yeah. You know what? We shouldn't have had one on Tuesday. I called that one. Well, I didn't call it. I told I told my students, no chance you're getting a snow day. Yeah. I said, here's what's going to happen. And I said, you know, light up until a certain point. And then when you're leaving school, it's going to get heavy. And my students reminded me on Wednesday that I was wrong. <laughs> I said, but was I? <laughs> right. I said, what did the forecast actually do? And I said, well, you called it exactly right, but you were wrong on the snow day. <laughs> right. So, so yeah, but I called, called Fridays. I said, yeah, we're going to have a snow day. It's going to be worse. So there'll be a... They'll be happy to see me on Tuesday. Yeah, I think somebody once phrased that wussification, but I can't be certain about that. 
Well, you know what? I understand. It only takes one accident. Yes. You just want to keep people safe, so no, it I, happens. I do. Yep. I, I get that. 100%. So, well, Tosh, we 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 forgot. We we never forget. Gave or no, forget. We forgot. We're never yeah. forgetting. God dang it. Go. We came up with this how long ago and we still can't get it right. That's the beauty of it. It is. I think <laughs> it is. Thank you for listening to another great episode of the NoosaCast. We'd really appreciate it if you hit up our social pages, subscribe, like, follow, and don't be afraid to engage. Head over to our YouTube channel to get exclusive content like the full interviews and speeches from the past Red Smith banquets. Thanks for listening to the NoosaCast. We really appreciate your support. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do so and tell a friend. A huge thank you to Digstown for all the music in today's episode. Catch a gig or find them on Spotify. Help us grow by subscribing wherever you get your pods or sharing the NoosaCast. Follow us on Facebook, X, TikTok, or Instagram. One of the best ways to help us grow is to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Northeastern Wisconsin Sports Advancement is a 501c3 organization. Our mission is to raise money, provide support, and bring greater awareness for youth sports organizations in Northeast Wisconsin. We do this primarily through the Red Smith Sports Award Banquet and the NoosaCast. Each year, we give back to the community through three initiatives, the Every Kid Plays Grant, the Gives Back Initiative, and scholarships to student athletes.